Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the Mike Flares podcast. Coming to you today uh, live from an alleyway in Gotham with both my parents, and I'm sure everything will end just fine. Uh, I am your host, Martin, and with me today, as always, is your co-host, Connor. How are you doing today, Connor? I'm not too bad, buddy. Round two? Round, round two. two? I have the strangest deja vu. It's so weird. It's almost like I've I said this I feel like before. we just recorded 35 minutes of podcast, and then our recording fails. Hmm, Weird. Oh man! Do you get uh, that feeling too? I, I, I just, well, that feeling and a bolt of fear that just went through me because as soon as when you mentioned round two, you froze, and I was like, oh, not seriously? round three. <laughs> 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 oh wow, no! I was about to go. Let's just call it off and do this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh. Uh, but anyway, yeah, time travel shenanigans. I've. Uh, so. Right. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to play it off as some kind of time travel magic bullshit, but please go on. Let's continue being real. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. Thank you very much. I was just going to say uh, I had a similar um, a similar thing happen to me once. I used to do YouTube videos years ago. Um, leading up to the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens, um, and no one knew it had been announced or anything, and I was doing a video about that that had leaked, and it described we knew a lot of the actors that were involved i think that initial first picture showing some of the older cast and some of the new cast together and stuff had leaked and we knew who was who was involved and all that um and there was like loads of uh apparently this this leak was very accurate and everyone was going on about it and it was a really big deal and i was trying to get a video out really quickly because i wanted mm. it to be relevant you know yeah um and i spent i think i recorded for maybe an hour hour and a half um various cuts and takes and then I probably spent the better part of two and a half hours, if not longer, no, definitely longer editing that because uh, I was cutting all the good takes I had together and then intercutting them with images of the actors and stuff as well. And there was a lot of moving parts on the screen. And then I set it to render. And I think I, there was, render was taken maybe about an hour to an hour and a half. Um, and about an hour, I'd say. And because uh, I had spent... Or I, I, when I was doing that, I literally went, right, that's rendering, cool. Okay, let's uh, let's check Facebook. And up on Facebook news, they just announced, like, loads of new stuff. And apparently all the theories and all the stuff in this supposed leak was all wrong. And I'm like, well, that's fucking six hours of my life not fucking getting back. Oh, God. I, 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 can, I can hear the salt in your voice about that still. So, do you know, that is kind of, that that's a little bit comforting because... Yeah, yeah, that was oh, that was a kick in the balls. But you know what? We have recovered. We've got our second wind ready for the action surge. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Action surge, second wind. Uh, attack! 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 We're twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, it's been a fun week though, aside from uh, our recording. Uh, software showing an absolute shit fit halfway through our, the recording of our podcast though um, we were talking about it a, a little earlier but we got we got to play D&D again it, it was a lot of fun just to kind of get back to it and yep. kind of feel it all out again and kind of shake the rust and the, and the cobwebs off and just get back to, to kind of just the usual absolute nightmare bullshit that we usually do <laughs> <laughs> my uh, yeah I was I was nervous I hadn't I haven't DM'd properly in months because I personally don't I don't love DMing digitally i don't uh, not that the tools aren't good the tools are good mm. i just find them a bit more cumbersome to use than i like um so i've been kind of putting it off for a long time uh, in favor of you know ho waiting and hoping that a lockdown will ease up and we'll be able to meet up in person and everything. but at this point it's been months um since we well we, we got one game in at christmas just yeah. before christmas but before that i think it's been another month and a half if not two months um 
we just haven't played the play a lot. So I've I've given up. You you win the internet. I'll play D and D through the internet. Fine. Um, On our yeah, internet D and D podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've I, I've I've doubled down back lane. I'm really happy about it. Uh, this session went really well. I was I was nervous because I had a lot of big things needed to happen in this session, mm. and I and I'm like, and I haven't played in a long time, or I haven't ran in a long time. So uh, so yeah, but it came off well. We had some good combat um, on a on a river of magma. Um, mm, and then also magma. some some magma, magma. <laughs> some good uh, some good plot reveals, um, which I've been sitting on for months. By the yeah. way, like we we like months of like because I knew at the end of the last session we played or a couple sessions back, I'm like, ooh, they're good. They're really close to meeting this character named Johansar, and I know that he has a ton of stuff he can reveal to the about the plot to them. Um, and then I was like, oh. They're only two weeks away, and then six months later, I'm like, <laughs> they're only one week away, and then another six, whatever, however long, a few weeks or a couple months later, I'm like, they're finally there. <laughs> yeah, really been, urgent. Uh, but like, if it's any consolation, as soon as we did meet that character, literal smoke was coming from my notebook as I just scribbled down as quickly as possible everything you were saying. Yeah, like uh, I've been, I've, oh god, it's hard, it's hard because we, even though we we aren't playing D and D, our, our D and D uh, group chat is still very active. Just talking about other things. Yeah, it's it's so hard to sit here looking at the notes I've written, knowing what's coming up, and not tell you guys what's going on. Uh, and that'd be tough if I had to wait a week or two or three weeks, you know, because of what was whatever was happening in game. But the fact that I had to wait literal months to drop what should have been uh, only a week's waiting to drop these kind of plot points was. Oh, I'm just glad it's out. Yeah, but to be fair, like it very like very satisfying Lord Rap as well though, in that like everything like I was like, Oh of course like it was it was so good, like and it was such a particularly as well for someone like I, I know myself and, and Gav had put a lot of theory crafting behind what could possibly be going on and it was like we were right in places and wrong in places and you had told us that when we had kinda like brought theories to you before we had like combined our, our efforts. Uh, and like just to, to see where I was right and where I was wrong and vice versa, I imagine the same for Gav. Um, that was a hell of a lot of fun. And also just like, particularly because what we thought it was, was like the mirror of what was actually happening. It was such a Wah! moment. It was so great. Jesus, it's been, a, uh, it's been a week for just absolutely blowing my brain because that happened. And then last night I watched the fifth episode of WandaVision and it... Uh, I've heard people talking. I I've not seen a single episode. I'm purposely I'm doing the same thing I did with the Mandalorian. I'm waiting till the entire season's out. I'm going to binge it all then, because I don't want to wait week to week. I, I'll happily wait until it's all done and then I'll just get stuck in. But um, I, I'm not going to spoil anything. Done. But the credits hit on episode five, and I literally sat in front of my in, in front of the TV with my with my, my housemate just been like for about a minute, and I couldn't speak. I just couldn't. I, I was like that. That was that was me after. Um, the mountain and the viper in game of thrones <laughs> oh. when, when that when that episode came out because i i liked oberon martell so much i thought he was such a badass and then he won he had it but then he had to fuck it up because he couldn't let the whole thing go and Great i tragedy. was there and I'm like, i was like get away get away from him get away from him <laughs> and then he did the whole trip knocked his teeth out crushed his skull and i'm like i i, I was i i did the same thing i pushed my chair back from the from my my desk and i sat there my hands on my head like <laughs> uh, and I, I don't think I was right for an hour. 
Oh man, yeah, no. I, for Game of Thrones has that effect a lot. Um, I remember when I was reading the books originally, because like I basically I I watched the whole first season, and then in the time between the first season and the second season coming out, I read all the books. Uh, and I remember I remember reading the Red Wedding for the first time, and mm. as it was happening, and as I was reading, I couldn't stop reading. I had to read. I could literally. I could not put it down. Yeah. I had to. I had to read the whole way through. As soon as the chapter ended, I slammed the book shut, threw it across the room, and didn't read it for a week. <laughs> like that's no exaggeration. Cool down. I literally no. I literally I remember finished it and I went, "Fuck!" and just went, "Boom!" and double hand through the book across the room into like a little alcove that was in my room, and it lived there for a week until I could get over what had happened. I uh, I was kind of like that with uh, the Last of Us Part Two. Um, I really enjoyed Last of Us Part Two. Well, okay, I say enjoy. I, it was a good. Ex- it was an experience. Um, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it was bad because it wasn't bad, but it's not something you quote unquote enjoy because it's a it's a heavy heavy story with a lot of dark turns and stuff like that. But I I thought it was a, a fantastic game, um, and I I I've, I've replayed the first one multiple times. Um, I played this when it came out. I, I completed it within the week or whatever. I have not gone back to it because I'm like there's an emotional weight to that that I need to be in the right mindset to tackle, and I'm. Yeah, I think... pa- pandemic Connor is not there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that sounds like a game that you that you need to be able to leave your house when you're not playing it to play. Yeah, yeah. Go for a walk and, and stuff yeah. like that. Like see the sun and light and people being happy. Oh, I miss the sun. I forget what the sun looks like. And the and the smell of flowers and the taste as <laughs> the taste of strawberries, the, the smell oh, of yeah. the wind, the feel of the wind, the smell rosy of cotton dancing. <laughs> <laughs> uh Sean Aston, what a what a you fantastic performance with so oh, many memes so moments. Good. And yeah, f- oh the whole the whole the whole series. I had a I had a really <laughs> Okay. So I I I'm I like to pride myself on being the guy that uses a lot of gifts in our Slack chat in uh in work. Um so for example, one of the ones I do whenever there's like a problem with the system or anything like that, I'll throw up um I'll throw like the thing from community where Jeff points at everyone and goes, three hour lunch, three hour lunch, three hour lunch. <laughs> um uh, or I I'll I'll I will i will i often in the morning when everyone's saying hello, I'll put up uh, Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam going, Good morning Vietnam. Um so I'll always do stuff like that. There was one time I don't know what the context was, but it was like everyone kind of getting stuck in and getting a job done or something like that. Um, and I looked for uh, the clip of Sam um, going, share the load. Um, and it's him doing that. And I watched it. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I downloaded, I uploaded to Slack and I sent it on. I didn't watch the GIF fully and someone had cut it <laughs> so that when he says share the load, it does the thing where uh, Frodo is foaming at the mouth from being stabbed by the spider. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to be like, ah, no, undo, undo, but there's obviously no undo. And I'm like, stop. Ah. And I just keep, I keep messaging because I'm like, I need to bump this up in the chat and out of here so like my manager doesn't see this. Oh god, I did that when um I was and making. I'm, I was just like, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. And I, I, I copied <coughs> and pasted that was a mistake. And and, uh, and I remember just going, uh, control Z, enter, control Z, enter, control Z, enter. And just I, I sent it a bunch of times. Oh, that controlled me. Whatever else. Controlled oh, me. Sorry. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Oh, so... 
Sorry, that's phenomenal. I had a I had a similar thing. I made a I made a ho- I made a, a Halloween table quiz for a place I was working once, and I did um I did like so what movie is this gift from, and so I had movies of I had like I had like gifts of like the of fam- of like famous serial killers or monsters from movies, and one of them was uh the shot from the re- it part one where um the car yeah. drives past and then the red balloon comes up in the back of the seat. I was like yeah, you know, the red balloon super synonymous with that film. I was like original or uh, uh, oh the 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 new one the the, the, the new one, yeah. yeah the new one um but like they uh so yeah they put that gif in saw the gif same thing it was like perfect grant saw it, copy paste insert put it in the thing hit enter then I uh, sent the email out with the link people were doing it I was seeing the scores come in and I just scrolled down through it just to make sure everything was still working because gifs can be a bit finicky in Google Forms I get to yeah. the I get to the it one and I'm like cool that's working. And for some reason, I think someone sent something to me or called my name. I looked away and looked back. And it's the car drives along. The balloon comes up. Then it cuts to, like, it's clearly, like, a parody video. But it was, like, uh, it on the side of the road, like, a, in a sheer it costume. And he just goes. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Everyone's like, I don't remember that part of the movie. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? It's too late now. And I just kind of left. For the audio it. listeners, um. It just uh, he did the hand the hand crank middle finger, and yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, I was just like, it, you know, what? it's too late now. It's too late now. And do you know what? Nobody fucking said anything to me, so I was like, yeah. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but that oh, uh, that man. share the load one is, whoo. It was it was like you know what? It's I I I I'm in a couple of different work chats yeah. um, from previous teams. One of my my the team I was on the longest for. There's people still in that chat that aren't even with the company anymore. But they just they stuck around in the WhatsApp group, and honestly, some of the stuff people share, some of the gifts and everything people share, are absolutely filthy. Like I could put that up, I could put that shared loading up in that group, and no one would bat a fucking eye. To be fair, my team I was on when I sent this particular thing were fine. They were they laughed. They just thought it was funny that I did it by accident, and they were all they were all fine about it. But I was I was like, it's not the kind of joke we'd typically tell on that team. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, oh, no, shit, undo, that was an accident, stop. Uh. Oh, I remember, like, we, we, this has been the last one, but I remember one year, uh, a, a place I was working for sent around, like, a Christmas newsletter. And on the GIF was, uh, it was around the time when, Joe you know, like, uh, make it rain, you know, that GIF where he went, like, got the dollars and he's going, like, make it rain. Like, yeah. Fans them all out and, like, kind of shakes them all, like, uh, blow, like stacks them all around the place. Well, like, whoever was doing the Christmas newsletter had clearly looked for one and like a Christmas themed similar one and it was like Santa with a list in one hand and then he was going like this and like all these candy canes were fire were firing out but right. from the angle that the picture was composed at right you were like looking it was like you were looking over his shoulder and he was like looking back at you like that going like that right, right. but because of the angle it looked like Santa was fucking cracking one out right. and just yeah, <laughs> it looked like Santa was cracking one out and jizzing candy canes Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sending wanker claws around to the entire company. Oh, <laughs> oh god! Sorry. Have you... we even talked about D and D yet? I was just gonna. I think we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's. Oh god! I'm sorry. That was just too. That was too hilarious. That was that was a rabbit hole. That was a rabbit hole. Oh, god. Anyway, so Connor, today to try and get back on track is yeah. A, 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 a slightly different uh, and very special episode of our podcast because today would be our very first viewer submitted uh, question our very first viewer topic Ooh. 
Indeed, indeed. Wait, we have viewers? We do, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Um, but this is actually from a friend of the show. Gav. I think you mean to say viewer. You mispronounced the word viewer. <laughs> if I watch it, if I watch it with two tabs, it's viewers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you can see. <laughs> Just multiple tabs open, <laughs> all playing the same thing. Yeah, but I, you, how many times can we get on Chrome again? I think we can really make a thing of this YouTube stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, yeah, it's right. uh, it's our, our very first viewer submitted uh, topic, and it's from a friend of the show, Gav, and it's um, uh, basically it's it's in relation to uh, player slash party party dynamics and roles, and uh, the dangers of a long backstory as well. How to how to kind of deal with that? So I thought today that'd be a really good opportunity for us to kind of have a bit of a chat about the different roles players can take in a party, either in game or out of game. Some of them kind of blur the lines as well. Um, I'm sure you can think of a few. And then we can kind of move on and have a bit of a chat about backstories and in, in particular long backstories and why you may want to avoid that. Um, and then kind of a little bit, we can kind of just give our opinion on that. Another kind of common like pitfalls of making a backstory for D&D that you can try and avoid. Sounds good. Savage. So um, in terms of uh, player roles, uh, I believe the probably one of the most common ones and one that like certain players just kind of naturally fall into is uh, the face role. This is your... Uh, I think the name actually comes. I, I I could be wrong here, but I think the name actually comes from the A team. Um, or it's probably yeah. I'm not, I'm not terribly familiar with the A so team. So in in the A team, the face. yes, he's this smooth talker, the charming guy, the guy who kind of mm-hmm. wins everybody over, the womanizer. Um, and as soon as you say that, like, uh, comes straight away comes to mind. That's like your bards, your warlocks, uh, stuff like that. Um, your high, mm-hmm. your high, your high charisma casters. Um. I think. Bards, warlocks, paladins, sorcerers. Uh, some rogues, depending yeah. on what you how you build. Uh, swashbuckler, swashbuckler. Te- technically. Uh, swashbuckler, swashbuckler. Rogue. Yeah. 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 Uh, you can well, do a fighter, though. I mean, it just depends how you how you stack your stats, but yeah. Totally, totally, and yeah, I that, yeah, a fighter. Absolutely. Why didn't I even think of that? Jesus. Um, but yeah, this is this is your person who will be like the face of the party. They'll be they'll be the person you send who uh, probably. There's the person who will uh, uh, talk your, your talk the guards into letting your party member out of jail when they've done something dumb. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I, I recommend sending the paladin because he's a figure of authority and uh, and likely to be a little more um, sword. Uh, trustworthy. To, um, what? Trustworthy. Trustworthy. He's like respected. Ah, yes, sorry. Yeah. Get the word respect. <laughs> Ooh. God, my mind. There's a whole song oh. about that, Connor. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> teaches you how to spell it as well i know um but yeah no um uh yeah I, I i think he's i think it's an important role in the team and it's uh it, it can fall depending on what class you are but i don't think that necessarily has to be the case mm. you might be a first-time player who's not particularly confident at the table um and you could totally just you, you might be a bard or a paladin but you might be, not be the person who wants to necessarily do all of the interacting with the dm and, and acting out uh, acting on situations and stuff like that so you know obviously uh, be, be conscious of your comfort level and stuff like that but I think that um, I think that no that's it lost my train of thought sorry it's, I'm sure it'll come back to you. My, my brain is man oh, the last okay so the 35 minutes we already recorded <laughs> were just I, I at one point Martin said something to me and I, the, I and I went oh because that's that's the most enthusiasm I could muster in that fucking moment, and now I'm I've had I had half of a half of a coffee, uh, and to get myself going for this new recording, uh, but now I feel like my mind I don't know, 
the pistons are firing too fast and, and my mouth can't keep up in my mind or something like that. I don't know. But uh, either way, I'm still broken. Yeah, what we're saying is it might be a bit of a wacky episode today, folks. But we'll get through it. It'll be cool. Uh, yeah, so we, we have the face. Um, what, are, what other kind of uh, roles jumped out at you when you started thinking about like, uh, player roles in Paris and Max? Um, there's, well, it's your favourite role, Martin, which is to describe. <laughs> it is actually, like, uh, completely unsarcastically, legitimately my favourite role. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. You are, you are hands down the, you're the note-taking member of, uh, of both campaigns, I believe. Yeah, you took, you took probably the most notes of that campaign as well, definitely. Um, and like, so the scribe is kind of important, and the, you mentioned kind of about some of these roles working both in and out of game. Um, the scribe is great because it, it's, it's your... It's your own account of what happened and the events that happened, which is important because you know I, I could I could stand there as if there was a DM and tell you X Y and Z happened, but you know people language is a funny thing and that people don't always hear the same words that you're saying, um, and uh, I mentioned it a while ago as well. Uh, we'll say in the previous recording that um, Matt Koval has a good thing he talks about where he, uh, he when he's asking at the start of a new session for a player to say you know like last time on. Whatever. Dragon I, I Ball Z. On, yeah, on Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> so when he's doing a, a thing like that, when he's going, okay, so rather than sit down and go, so this is what happened last time on in our, in our last session. Uh, where, where did we go from here? He'll sit down, he'll roll it. It says four people at the table. He'll roll a D4, and he'll go, one, two, three. Okay, what, uh, tell me, what happened last session? And he'll have that person explain. Uh, and I actually did this for a while in the first campaign. And it was interesting to me because... Uh, the point Matt made, and I thought it was a really good point, is that when you do that, you're not necessarily hearing exactly, because you as a DM have obviously told the players multiple things that have happened in the previous session and blah blah blah. But when you have one of the players recount that to you, you're getting their perspective on what happened. And you're they're going to tell you the things that were uh, impactful or important to them, or that stood out in the last session to them. And this can be good or bad. This can be good from the perspective of they might focus on this this one thing an awful lot, and you're like, good, I really got the point across that this magical gem is super important because they mm. he he when when Martin was recounting that to me, he focused a lot on the gem. Brilliant. It can also backfire, and if if players obsess over something unimportant, like the uh, the homeless man they met on the side of the road outside the blacksmiths, uh, they think. They think he's some sort of spy for the thieves guild and all this other stuff and no he's just an old man but you guys are obsessed over it when the player recounts that to you they'll definitely mention the old <laughs> spy homeless man even though that's not what he is and it's interesting to see what players pick up on and what what ingrains in their head based mm. on what you said to them which said there just immediately reminded me of that that real famous D meme joe it's like it's a road it's it's like a straight road and a road that Take, takes a completely different direction and there's like a car in front of it and it's it's doing a sharp turn into the other direction and it's like oh, yeah, your yeah. story a P, an NPC named Dumb <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> players players will obsess over over weird things and go off on weird tangents I'm always saying that from a from a DMing perspective when you're trying to plan a session when you're trying to work out like uh, okay, so they're, they're going down the tunnel and there's the tunnel branches off in three different ways. Uh, option A, B, option A is this, B is this, C is this. And you're like, cool, I have the session all planned. Inevitably, inevitably when you get there, your players will will go, hmm, A, B, C, I'm going to dig straight down. <laughs> and, and or, or I'm going to do, they will come up with some batshit way of completely subverting the three options you've meticulously planned out for them. 
Uh, and yeah, that's just a little tip for all you DMs out there. Be prepared to have your campaign run off the rails. Even if you try to run an on-rails campaign, it's never an on-rails campaign. No. They, they, will, they will hit you with some fucking bullshit spell or a class ability or something like that. And they'll be like, oh, well, actually, I have a dig speed of blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to go straight. To Fine. Fucking do it. <laughs> Sorry, I came up really salty. So, salty cutters in today. That's not what I went for. Salty cutters in today. Uh, yeah. And, uh, apparently, uh, I apparently uh, copied up Connor yeah. just equals angry Connor. <laughs> Full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wait, uh, you mean those aren't the ingredients in a in a coffee? Okay. <laughs> depends if you drank the coffee that I've meddled with before you made it. No, I'm joking. Um yeah. <laughs> oh moving swiftly so, along. Moving swiftly on. Uh, another role, uh, like sort of in and out of game is the treasure. Uh also usually the person who has the bag of holding. Uh yeah, yeah. yeah. And keeps track of what or, or maybe um, we mentioned this as well, keeps track of a uh, of a party fund as the parties. Yes money so if you've got four players instead of dividing the gold in the dragon's horde four ways you divide it five ways divide it five ways um and that that uh, lump sum at the end might buy you guys new horses or a yeah. cart or a house in a town or something like that or health potions when you're on low or have or stock up the party supply of health potions yeah absolutely we've, uh, um, we've it's, quite it's often, really handy to have we've quite often had situations with that where like one of us is, is like um like buying something or crafting something or like making something and we're like couple hundred gold short and we're like do you want to just use the party fund and then like we just everyone in the party's like yeah go on we use the party fund we can just pay it back yeah. in like it, it's... I, find, I find people are very liberal with uh using the party if, if someone's short a, a bit of money obviously if someone's like i need two two thousand gold pieces yeah. you might be a little hesitant but yeah. i find most of the time people are, are more than happy to be like just take it out of the party fund take yeah. the 25 the 30 the 100 gold you need whatever it's grand because everyone re i think everyone realizes well like Oh yeah, this thing is obviously better. So if this is better and they get this, like it doesn't just benefit that person; it benefits all of us because they can do their job better. Yeah, so it benefits the team as a whole. But yeah, the uh, the the treasurer can track all the gold and stuff like that for one in the party fund, um, which is good. I I like I I'm kind of a math geek like that. Um, I like being the guy who's like, how much gold was that DM? Okay, cool. And silver? Okay, cool. And copper? Okay, cool. Divide by five. Okay. You get this much, you get this much, you get this much, and you get this much. Blah, blah, blah. And then party fund here, such and such, or whatever. I, I like doing, I, I weirdly like ledgers and books. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, but that's enjoyable. Like, And yeah. it's, it's a fun, it's a role that, like you said, it's one of these roles that transcends the game itself. It's both a player-based thing where the player has to do this job and keep track of it, but also something that happens in the game as well. And it can work with, um, like you mentioned, the bag of holding. Because the bag of holding is... Uh, uh, I think it, in campaign one, Mike did it for us, where he had the bag of holding. He as he as Shamash did it, uh, and he had a, a meticulous list of what was in the bag of holding, mm -hmm. um, and kept track of it. So anytime anyone would be like, "Oh, do we have any health potions?" Uh, they would check their own inventory, but then he'd go, "Oh, we have two inside the bag of holding, which are like party health potions or whatever." Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was always good to have someone who's willing to take that on. And as well, I think a curious point: you'll never find. Usually, anyway, I have never encountered that the note taker and the treasurer are the same person. Because that just seems no, like typically not. so no. much work and so much stress. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh my god. Oh. Um, like, don't get me wrong, there is there's kind of a level of engagement, which is nice when you have a job to do that isn't just sitting there rolling dice. When you're like, ooh, I'm taking notes, or I'm the one who's keeping track of these items and stuff like that, you know? Mm. That's fun, but when you're piling it up and stuff, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and that yeah, that's just a bit much as well. Um, 
What about yourself, Henry? Any other any other suggestions that jump to mind? Uh, what do I have? Scribe, treasurer. Oh, um, we talked this while ago, so like a leader. Yes, um, yes, exactly. A party yes. leader, and I don't mean someone who like bosses people around and calls the shots all the time. But for for me anyway, I don't know. I I, I do think there is people who can kind of depending on the the makeup like for next campaign i have planned for you guys which is very far off but i do have like ideas i do plan on you being like a military group i do plan on you designating that one person is literally the highest ranked person in this group of four or five people therefore they will call most of the shots you know cool. um starting like the so, uh it was, was it was the chain mac over there yeah i absolutely. really yeah, very I, much like that i'm i'm super down for that because i i didn't watch all of it but i watched a couple episodes and the mechanics he put into it behind like this is your job you have this you've this specific kind of mechanic um i think uh, mercer did a very similar thing when the mighty nine were on a ship where like one person yeah. was the captain one person's the gunner one person's the powder monkey um, yeah. and the cook and all that and they all have specific things to do like if you're going to incorporate that level of like striation in terms of rank and ability to do stuff i think it's really cool to put in like little elements like that um but even if it's purely a ceremonial title i'm so down for for uh, like a military campaign i think that could be a lot of fun because it kind of removes uh, the weirdness of having to justify why you're all journeying you're together adventurers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, like most of the time, it's just like, oh, well, they're all kind of strong anyway, so I might as well travel with them for gold, and then that just kind of turns into, we're all the best of friends. That's, that's typically the excuse. It's it's convenient to travel mm. together, or you don't be caught on the roads alone when bandits attack, so you might as well go as a group of four or five. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's definitely, um, the leader is, the leader can be that, who someone who is, like, genuinely someone who is uh, calling the shots, or the leader can be someone in, who, in my opinion, is more and this is more on the player side rather than the character mm -hmm. is someone who when people are planning things as a group and you know oftentimes D parties are democracies everyone's there to have fun so everyone gets equal say and people will be like oh we could try attack from this side oh what if we polymorphed into birds and flew in this way what if we dug underground and everyone's kind of pitching their ideas but then mm -hmm. inevitably people will go but if we dig underground this could collapse oh but if we're birds they could shoot us with arrows oh but if we you know and it's always a ton of back and forth occasionally games get bogged down pretty heavy and that kind of stuff uh especially when you have a lot of players because everyone has an, an opinion and that's okay like i said it's everyone's game mm -hmm. so everyone can absolutely chime in with their opinion but at a certain point when the pace of the game when it has hit a speed bump or, or it's a straight up like roadblock and um, there's typically one person i find and for me i, I find it to you <laughs> in my games um who who's the person to go all right, come on, guys. What are we doing? We got to go now. We got to go. We got to do something. What are we doing? And you kind of just you nudge things along to keep the pace of the game going. Um, luckily, we play with a four-person team. Doesn't happen very often with yeah. four people. Um, but when you kind of go five, six, seven, stuff <coughs> like that, uh, it starts. It, it gets uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exponentially uh, more convoluted when we're trying to plan something. No, no one's ever just like. But why don't we just, I don't know, climb the wall? <laughs> so it's a too many cooks situation. Uh, oh, yeah, 110%. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think, like, a great yeah. example of that. Um, we were, And last time I spoke about this, our recording died, so hopefully we're not cursed and this doesn't just die here. But uh, Travis Willingham in Critical Role. Travis Willingham in Critical Role is a godsend to that party because there's, what, like, eight of them? No, there's seven, isn't there? Because the whole gag is they're the mighty nine, but there's seven of them. Yeah, um, that's the joke, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's seven of them, and, like, when I when me and you started actually playing D and D, well, when when I joined the campaign you were in, there were like eight nine of us, I think easy, 
I think it was like seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I at one point I it was a lot. Remember, first, we had at least eight. Campaign, like. Yeah, we we definitely had at least eight at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. and like. I think it's probably because of that is why I'm like the person who's like, no, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because there was a lot of that in that party and not in a bad way, but just like when you have eight people and there's a question, they're going to get eight answers. That's the thing, yeah. If there's a challenge you or... or a... Now, don't get me wrong, that can be kind of good from a player perspective when there's a puzzle to solve, whatever, because mm -hmm. obviously people bounce ideas off each other. Bad for the DM because you're kind of banking on them not getting the answer to the puzzle straight away and having a bit of trouble with it but then ultimately solving it but absolutely yeah it's it gets very convoluted when you have more people at the table yeah. so both in a role play situation maybe like where one person is the commanding officer or or whatever of the team one, one person is the captain america um or... oh he's how did we not make that reference captain america is the leader you need <laughs> like yeah yeah he's the he's the guy with the game which i i love i love that scene in uh in avengers assemble where uh, Iron Man comes down and Iron Man who would normally kind of do his own thing he goes call it Cap mm -hmm. and then he's like right here's the plan and he tells everyone exactly what to do and they do it and it's don't get me wrong you don't, you don't want to be someone who's uh, uh, what's the word domineering there's a, uh, yeah there's a, there's a type I've seen obviously I've watched a lot of videos on different types of players and the different players you don't want to be at the table and stuff and there's some players that you could describe as like a tactician which is, on the one hand, kind of complimentary. They know what they're doing. But on the other hand, you don't want to be the person who's like, who's like, or someone's like, I'm going to cast Ray of Frost. And you're like, no, 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 don't use that. Use this spell instead. Leave people do what they want to do. I've been guilty um, doing that the odd time, and I feel terrible about it when I realize. Uh... <laughs> I've, I've, I, I know for a fact I've made mistakes as a player as well that I look back on and mm. I'm like, oh, man, if I was DMing that game, I'd have been pissed at me as well, you know? Yeah. Because I, I just, you look back and you, you don't really realize a lot of time until you're on the, the dm side of the screen and you realize how the game works you're like oh oh okay i like um not to get too bogged down with this i say that a lot and then i do get bogged down with things um but there is one of our early games we played we went into it might have been the first session you were in or the second session maybe uh of that first campaign mm -hmm. we went into a cave and we were going through it and taking some turns blah blah, blah and we came to this room um where it was we were like i don't know 50 feet down a tunnel or something like that and there was this room and in the room there was like a crying girl kind of hunched oh, over crying yes, girl yes 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 and everyone was like like we were all in the dark and hidden so the, the girl didn't know we were there and everyone was kind of like oh is this is she hurt should we go and help her but then I was like oh but what if she's like a, like what if she's not a girl what if she's something else you know because my mind immediately went to the witch in Left 4 Dead um, I, I think I could be wrong. I think the DM at the time might have played the witch music. Actually, I can't. I, 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 I can't remember one hundred percent. The witch cry. I, I vaguely remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, also, and, uh, I don't think you were out of line there because if you're in a dark cave like that's far away and you just hear someone crying in the dark, I would be suspicious as well immediately. Well, no, that's because that's not the thing I did. What I did in the moment was so I was trying to think of that. I was trying to think, what if it is that? And we were kind of discussing it for a bit, and then I turned to the DM, and. I was trying to under I was still trying to understand the game at this point. Mm. And what I said to him was like I was thinking because I know how this DM operates. Um and in my head I was thinking, right, well if it's a regular human girl and we attack her and she gets killed, then that's what she'll be. If we attack, she'll be a human girl and we'll have attacked an innocent person. If we 
try to comfort her, she'll be a monster and she'll attack us. <laughs> I know that that this DM would kind of think along. He's the kind of DM that's a very uh, player versus uh, player versus DM mentality, hmm. uh, and he'll try to make things go up. Then he'll try and make things go bad um, for you. Um, so, like, I, in my head, like, I, I, I actually not in my head. I asked him. I said, "Do you already know what this is? You know, do you, do you know what, whether or not this is a girl or whatever? Are you gonna like? Is I, I was trying to decide. I was trying to figure out in my head. Is this something you are coming up with as you go, or is it something that has been already decided and then you can change it after the fact? Because I didn't know how the game worked, mm. um, and I didn't know is there a set like, is he? doing this reactively to us or does he decide something and then we react to that um and i remember questioning him a lot on this um and like i said i think i was somewhat within my rights there because the the type of, the type of dm this person was but um but i do think that uh, uh being that kind of player that tries to tries to look behind the curtain sometimes and and read too much into things whatever i was kind of metagaming a little bit because mm. i didn't want to act in a way that I knew the person running the game might make that a negative effect for me, as opposed to not acting because of what my character felt like. So I knew I was gonna. Back then, I didn't know I was metagaming, but looking back on it, I'm like that was metagaming and trying to yeah. trying to read the system for what it was and not the the scenario that your character is in. Yeah, like you said, like you said a minute ago, I think like we've all made mistakes playing D and The only way the only way you learn how to like do it properly is to like usually you'll make a mistake and someone goes, "Hey, man, that's that's not on." This is how you know that's not how this runs, or, or you know you need to you need to not do that anymore, or you need to apologize even or anything like that. And like once you can recognize what you've done is wrong and like fix that and like move forward with that in mind, I think that's fine. I think w once I started DMing, I realized a lot of stuff that, um, that there's a reason. There's a reason you don't have, or that there's a DM screen sometimes. You know, there's a reason the DM knows things you don't because. You kind of have to be able to put your your faith in the DM uh, that they're that they're running an adventure for you and stuff like that, and that's Absolutely. going to it's going to work Absolutely. out okay and blah blah. Um, and they're doing it for you is the big thing, you know. Mm. So just trust that you can. I don't know. I'm trailing off here. Don't mind me. I think uh, you're but, trust the process. Trust the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. What uh, character? Were, what what role were we talking about? Oh, the leader. Yeah, <laughs> that was the, the leader. Le the yeah. leader's yeah, the, the leader, leader good good role to have um like i said don't be don't, <clears throat> don't be the overly involved tactician leader yeah. where you're like do this do that do this to every person on the team let people make their mistakes you know um which is can be tricky yeah. um you know especially when you if you've been playing longer or you know better mm -hmm. um you know i feel i'm playing in in gavin's game um and i'm i'm playing a lot longer than even gavin actually i'm playing i'm the longest person playing D, &D there and so there's times where um, people will do things, and I, I had to make this a point when we, he was doing his session zero and telling us about his world and everything. I said, let me just throw this out there. I've obviously been playing the game a while. I know the rules very well. If I see someone make a mistake, would you guys like me to call it out, or would you like me to just leave it alone? Because I'm fine either way, but I'd mm -hmm. like to know what you would be okay with. Uh, and the, the consensus was that no, you know, tell us, tell us if there's a rule that's wrong, and we can, because that's how we learn and stuff. And I'm like, cool, okay, that's fine. I, I just, I don't want to be in an uninviting way i don't want to be the person who's like you're doing it wrong or uh or i i get a bonus to this and i'm like actually no you don't you know i don't want to be raining on people's parade but 
uh, everyone in, in the group is, is is okay with me calling rules as I see them and stuff. Um, yeah, which is great. I love doing it when when it's something more and someone's like, oh, I get to roll two d six on this. I'm like, actually, you get three d six. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's always fun. That, that, I, lo I love those moments because I'm like, I get to make you feel better. But there's always those times where someone's like, I have advantage, I think. And I'm like, no, you don't because. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's they like that's that's really, that's uh, that's almost like the good side of a rules lawyer kind of a character, which I suppose is actually another one you could say is the rules lawyer. Um, I know it's, it's normally got a lot of negative connotations, but I think if it in, if it's in that kind of a setup in in which like someone's like, hey, I know the game really well. I, I know that you might not have um, as much experience as me. Uh, would you like me to like help uh, in a, in any kind of small way or like give advice or like yeah. help you work out like what you're meant to roll or you know understand the mechanics your character for and like you could you could look at that almost like training wheels like for when when yeah like training wheels for a bike like if you're if you're an experienced player with a bunch of new players you like yeah you, you probably have to help them along for a little bit but once they've been playing for a few levels they'll pick that up pretty easy and then yeah your job like i think that's a, i think that's probably a probably the best way you could look at a rules lawyer really is almost like training wheels and um, particular for new players anyway um but yep. I, th I think it is i, always... do, I do think sorry go on. Oh, sorry go on. i was just going to say i think it, it's always good well not always but it's it's good to have a player in the group who knows the rules well because it can lighten the load for the dm uh, because... you're taking the words out of my mouth i was going to say the exact same thing then by all means please elaborate <laughs> well, no, like, uh, like for example, when I first started DMing, um, I asked a few people to to get involved, but I asked you because you were already playing in the game with me. But I, I want you to have you in the game, and I was like, I already know Martin is a good player as well. He knows the rules. Uh, it'll be good to have someone there, almost like an assistant DM, mm. um, where if if I'm busy talking to one person about something, but someone has a question about how their character works, and I remember you doing this in like the first and second session, Tara had questions, uh, Mike had questions, and you were pointing things out to them, and, and, and you know, uh, I feel like uh, it, it's really, really helpful, especially if you're a first-time DM. Maybe you've played before, uh, and you're a first-time DM. Definitely try to invite at least one person along mm -hmm. as your rep, I guess, within the party. That they are, they can also help people out, and it does it does help to lighten the load. Like I said, I try to, I, I try to get ahead of that with uh, with Gav. I, I I didn't want to be just asserting myself or inserting myself unnecessarily or uh, unwantingly, um, but or yeah, unwantingly. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, but uh, I think it can be it can be very helpful to have someone in the group who also knows things. Um, I was I was in a uh, a party. Uh, short enough campaign it was like two or three months we played um i think i talked about it before this cruise liner um, yes, one yes. We i think last week we talked about it actually yeah yeah uh, it was a great campaign but there was one um actually i think i think we may have talked about it after <laughs> oh <laughs> after the podcast we talked for a long time after the podcast yeah we did week. jesus sorry um, about that <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. uh, but uh it was there was another player in the campaign who like i know the rules pretty well this guy is encyclopedic He's so so good with the rules, um, but again, he's never. You never feel like, oh, would you just shut up with the rules? He's actually, I, he's so helpful to have around because I'll know, I'll know the rule fairly well. I'll know what the gist of it is. He'll know the exact wording of it to the point where, like, he knows what is logically intended by the mm -hmm. sentence. He can even, in some cases, he can point out the, the exact chapter, or in some cases, the page that that rule appears on as well. That's some he's, rain man shit. Holy Christ! Oh man, he's so he's well, he's a programmer, so he's got ah. all of his uh, 
this very logic driven kind of stuff but he's great he's so so good at it um i played in two i played a one campaign that kind of fizzled out with him and i played in this one then um but he's not he's such a good player um and he just knows everything knows everything back to front you know uh and it can be really helpful to have around because you know sometimes you just need to bounce a rule i'll, I'll sometimes bounce rules off you mm -hmm. uh if uh because even i i forget things or i don't know this rule or i'll be like is it is it like one plus your con mod or yeah and stuff like that you know yeah and i think as i know uh similar not the exact same thing but thing i know things uh you've done particularly in this campaign would be like uh oh i know like particularly like early on when we were playing um like early levels because i think like this campaign is mike's first was mike's first time playing like a, a barbarian or like a melee focused character yeah and i had played and i had played with you as a barbarian and a fighter for like 10 levels in a previous campaign so early on i was kind of like mike's help like mike's assistant when he when I came to his turn he's like okay what do i need to do while well, he was just kind of first grasping the mechanics of barbarian now admittedly barbarian's pretty simple but you still need there's still certain things where you need to know like okay if this happens i roll these extra dice and that kind of thing and adding and some people like it's very easy to forget to add like your rage damage and stuff like that to your attack rolls to be fair like when it comes to he's playing a two a two weapon fighter mm -hmm. as well he's got two swords um, so when he does play, his first hit does uh, weapon damage, plus strength, plus rage damage, plus a d6, plus half his level for his Divine Fury ability. Yeah. Which is, that's a lot of numbers and a lot of dice in there to begin with. Then his second one does the, the weapon damage, plus strength, plus rage, but not the additional stuff. Then the third one, because he doesn't have the right fighting style, uh, does the weapon damage. And the rage and the rage but not the modifier because it's his offhand attack yeah. so there's like three attacks which it should just be a simple one two three but there is it, it is complicated because of how um because of how the various modifiers and additional damage stuff with barbarians works yeah um so like i think uh you can see that as well um in certain in certain like stream games where like when they move from like campaign one to like campaign two or they they, they like they finish a story and they do a new story and they have like a new campaign and new, new things You'll see, like, like with uh, with Travis and with um, Ashley Johnson in in this season, the critical role. Ashley is playing a barbarian yeah. this season, and he and like you'll see, like they're now because they're like all split up because of COVID restrictions. But like before, you see, like when they're facing table, like facing each other, like across from tables, you'd see like Travis be like, "Did you add your rage? Did you add your rage?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how. That's well, how he gets like so hyped. I love not even just him, but like I love how they all get so hyped and invested in the others at the table like when someone's using them and they're all like did you just did you just do this, do this? and i'm like oh yeah. man it's, it's it's like it gets you hype watching it but also like it's like almost like heartwarming to see like how invested they're but that might just be because i'm a dm and i'm like oh man invested players are the best <laughs> like, yeah it's a, it's the same with uh liam o'brien and sam riggle mm. um liam was a rogue last campaign now sam is this campaign uh and that and for that reason then he's often he'll 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 clarify to him how cunning action works or how sneak attack works and all this other stuff um which is really again it, you can, it's really helpful when you have a player even if you're not the the quote-unquote rules lawyer player uh, mm. and when we say rules lawyer, we mean in, in a good sense yeah you know, this is the good, good connotation not like yeah. the guy who goes mm, actually um actually you're meant to roll uh, with disadvantage because um but yeah when you're when you're not that person but you're the, the helpful one you don't even need to be the rules lawyer who knows the overall rules very well if you've just played a class before so you're familiar with the rules of this particular class mm -hmm. you can also contribute that way as well and it, i mean it's all that's one of the best things about dnd and i always say to new players one of the best things about dnd is that you do not need to know how to play before you start playing 
you can you learn as you go. You don't need to sit down and read the rules uh, as a new player. You can sit down and then say what you want to do in the story, and then the DM or whoever will tell you how many dice and what dice to roll, and then you, you pick up on it that way. You do not need to know the rules going in. And that's one of the most accessible things about D&D as a game. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, spot on. Like that. And it really helps to have someone there to kind of guide you with it, particularly someone who knows, who has been through it and knows where you can get confused, like knows where the pitfalls are. And be like, oh, yeah, no, look, I, and like it's even as simple as someone being like, oh, that, yeah, man, I'd, I'd, I'd hassle understanding that when I first started picking up. It's this, this, and this, not this, this, and this. I know it's super easy. That's how where I got yeah. confused. And like, then not only are you helping someone learn the game, but like, you're also making them not feel dumb for not understanding it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, and that's because I mean, I I think on the outside looking in, it can look so so complicated. But um, do, do you remember the really six not. months of Paladin I played, thinking spell slots were just for smites? Uh, well, they, to be fair, all Paladins think that. Okay, uh, yeah, but I thought that <laughs> bad example, but still, yeah. Uh, I only I only saw a gift. I, I only saw a gift today, or uh, not a gift, but uh, a meme today about it, where it showed like. A wizard. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. What what spell slots are for? And on the wizard side, it's like chromatic orb, jump, uh, misty step, blah, blah, and all these other spells. And on the paladin side, it just says smite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so perfect and so true. Well, yeah, you could, you you actually did play like a solid six months. You played up to like I want to say level five before you realized that um, that the spells that you have access to is more than just the. Uh, the spells. specific subclass paladin spells you you have a, a whole spell list you can change daily <laughs> yeah yeah i think what confused me in that was that when we when i leveled and i got magic suddenly spells are in my spell list and i was like oh cool the rest of them will pop in so i went the next few months just going yeah, i have two yeah. spells i have two spells uh but no yeah that just you know just in case anyone ever thinks that they, they might have made a dumb mistake in D D, don't worry we all do it i made one for six months straight <laughs> <laughs> I I thought um, for a long time in our first campaign my character Baskin who was typically a bow wielder also had a, a long sword and, I, and long swords are versatile uh, and I thought versatile was meant it can be dex or strength but no that's finesse yeah. but I was playing it that way for a while um, until I, until one day I said uh, I, I think the DM maybe asked what I'm rolling for that or what I'm adding to it or something and I said oh I'm adding my dex He's like, no, no, long swords are strength based. I'm like, does that know what versatile means? You can use it. You know what I mean. Mm, but yeah. uh, but like, I, I did that for for weeks. I'd say. Um, for anyone curious, uh, versatile means can be used one or two handed. Yes, exactly. And, and typically, it has more damage when it does two handed. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, cool. I think we've kind of covered off a lot of the main player roles there, um, Connor, in terms of that. So I think it might be a good idea now. Maybe we can kind of go into the second half of what we were going to talk about today, which is like backstory. And specifically, like things to avoid and the dangers of a long backstory, because like I think everyone has at least once sat down with someone and been like, "Oh, do you want to hear about my D and D character?" And like very common thing, if you find out someone's in D and D that they and you are too, that they will say or they'll start telling you about their character. It's our <laughs> not to bag on vegans, but it's like the memes. You know, how do you know someone is a vegan? They'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, do you want to hear about my D and D character? It doesn't matter what I say. The next words you're gonna say are gonna be about your D and D character. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah you know uh, um, and we've all had the situation well when when i was a child both my parents were killed and then i grew yeah. up and i did like okay sir edgelord i get where you're going with this yeah <laughs> you know uh See, ev everyone i every single person uh, always i don't think i know a dd &D player 
who hasn't done the my parents are dead thing at some point or another you did it <laughs> well you well that's because you were kind of going straight to be to your credit you were going straight batman in, yeah with your vengeance paladin in the last campaign it was you went for a heavy was, batman it was heavy batman but that specifically and what happened to his parents was actually like super inspired by naruto um oh yeah i should know that because i'm watching that show now no you and shouldn't I'm really and i'm afraid it. i may have just spoiled something <laughs> oh, oh shit okay i'm not gonna think about it too much I, yeah. I did just get to where um where sunada comes into it and Ooh, she yeah. i i just you know what i don't care i don't care about jujitsu or i said no I, about genjutsus or whatever the other one is i only want to watch people who know taijutsu <laughs> it's all i fucking care about genjutsu I, ninjutsu taijutsu yes thank you i don't care about the ninjutsu or the genjutsu I, I think they're fine, but they're just magic tricks, and it's just like it's not not like sometimes what you do the, uh, their Rasengan and stuff like that. It's pretty cool, but man, I just want to watch Rock Lee crack Gara around the place all day <laughs> long. Or I want I want to watch uh, uh guy jump in and like roundhouse kick someone across. I, I want to watch them do all that. Fucking Sonata is amazing, and I was like watching her, and I'm like, she, oh, she's really good chakra control. That's cool. That's cool. Whatever. Okay, and then. She like threw off her coat in the dramatic way and then it flows off in the wind. And she charged someone and punched and she shattered like 40 feet worth of stone walls. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. That's what I want to see. No, you. Uh, I, I got off track there. No, but, it's yeah. grand. And, and a, nice, a nice Easter egg for our, 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 our viewers or listeners who have read or watched Naruto. They probably yeah. know that you're fairly early into Naruto being like, yeah, ninjutsu and genjutsu don't seem that cool. <laughs> it's like, I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure I'm wrong. I also thought that... Um, but also, I'm Shikaru... totally with you on Rock Lee, because goddamn. Oh, that fight, man. But, like, uh, this is uh, quickly turning into an anime podcast. Um, uh, what's it? Uh, I, don't, I don't have the knowledge base for an anime podcast. Let's just get that straight. Um, Sister but... podcast, I, I make Connor watch anime for the first time. Ooh. Hey, that, there's an idea. Um, but what's it? Um... I was gonna say something. Oh, car- oh, like I also like I also thought that um, Shikamaru was really dull. I didn't really like him because for the whole, for most of the first, I don't know, seventy episodes, maybe sixty episodes, he like or he's just like maybe fifty, I don't know. But he's just like every time you see him on screen, he's like, oh, what a bother, oh, so troublesome, oh, and he's so dis like disillusioned with everything and doesn't and doesn't want to bother. I'm like, you don't show any like emotion therefore i'm not invested in this character at all but the first time you see him the first two times you see him fight i'm like oh holy shit this guy's amazing (laughs) (laughs) oh man but yeah for anyone who's um never had the bad backstory told them if you're not an anime fan that last couple of minutes is what it feels like (laughs) (laughs) having having to listen to me sorry about that no no both of us because i'm yeah i no, i oh i started reading manga again during the week because i was bored and man that's a rabbit hole i'm i'm in such a danger of falling back down again (laughs) i i legitimately read manga for like nine hours there (laughs) it was like 3 a.m before i knew it (laughs) i don't think i ever read anything in my life for nine hours Ah, (laughs) those are those are rookie numbers o'connor (laughs) <laughs> kind of. I, well, yeah, but I, I'm very much a. I, I don't even know if I'm on the board. I'm not even a rookie. <laughs> I know. Anyway, to come uh, back yeah, to uh, our backstory what, shit. Backstories. Um, you were saying that everyone does the that has is guilty of having done that. My parents are dead. Thing. Uh, I was saying like how yeah, my one. I did basically Batman Naruto and like did the whole yeah. My parents died and then the whole thing through that. Uh, yeah, and I, I need to have vengeance against the one who did. Yeah, it. I, 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 to be honest, I was a bit of an edge lord in campaign one, but like I was playing a vengeance paladin, so 
I feel like it's it's really hard to play Vengeance Paladin and not be an edgelord. Yeah, um, towards the end there, I was trying to do like a judge kind of a thing where like you weigh up the, the guilty and the, like someone's sin sort of like a ghost rider kind of a thing is what I was trying yeah, to go for. Yeah. But even that is still quite edge. <laughs> yeah, it was not, to be honest, I really, despite despite the edginess of it, I still really did like that. Because mm. actually, I was thinking about this earlier today when, when I was thinking about what we're going to do for the podcast tonight, right? Uh, do, you didn't, uh, you barely gave me anything in campaign one when it came to your backstory that's the way it should be <laughs> give me give me bare bones i'll i'll flesh out what i think is relevant and needs to be fleshed out um but like bare bones you you mm. told me that your parents have been killed by a demon called gara um you were taken in by an order of vengeance uh, vengeance knights and then they were um they trained you and stuff like that but you've you've harbored an oath that you're going to eventually kill this demon who killed your parents that's about everything. I think you gave me the couple of names, like yeah. you have a half brother, or well, not a half brother, but like you have a an adoptive brother, like an adoptive brother. Yeah. Um. Uh, you have an adoptive father, who both within the order. Um. You have, uh, what's it? Uh, the, I think you named this the town or the village that the your order exists in. Yeah. You get you came to me for like uh, a few place names, names of important characters. And like we went yep. back and forth on it in that like I, I, I distinctly remember I was like, Look, this is kinda of what I'm thinking of and you came back to me with like a paragraph of text and I was like, Oh, this is like very much along the lines of what I was thinking and um, made very minor, minor tweaks to it. I think literally like it might have changed one or two words or one or two sentences mm-hmm. send it back to you and you were like, Yeah, this is good and then just periodically you'd come back to me and be like, Hey, what's your mother's name? Father's name? What where's what's the name of the place where your order is? This kind of stuff. And yeah, I think, yeah. and like, I actually, again, in this campaign, I deliberately, because like, because I gave you little last campaign, and I saw what you did with it, and I was so happy what you did with it, this campaign, I gave you even less. <laughs> well, that's, I, I was trying to think of that today. I, I, I actually couldn't remember, I was even looking for it on like Google Docs and stuff. I couldn't find a file that you had sent me mm. about your backstory. Um, I think it was so another like, one we worked out on like Facebook chat or something. Yeah, like like your like honestly, I was saying it a while ago. Your I don't really know your character log all that much at all in terms of like what he did for most of his young life. I mm. knew he he grew up in Kaela. Um, he basically trained to be a warrior. Um, he has two parents; they're alive. Um, I deliver also. That's, that's a deliberate choice as well. <laughs> that was like a deliberate. That, choice. that was a deliberate choice to not fall down that yeah. uh, that pit trap of um, my parents were killed by my arch enemy. Um, so, but well, that's good. Though. I mean, like mm. let's. More D and D parents need to be alive. Stop the violence against D and D parents, please. <laughs> it's like, uh, have you ever seen that 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 picture? It's like a cartoon. It's like the it's like uh, the final resting place of the parents of superheroes, and there's just like a graveyard that goes on for miles. <laughs> for miles, yeah, yeah. Everyone's every superhero's parents are dead. Every D and D character's parents are dead. Stop. All of them murdered. Uh, to be fair, um, everyone this campaign has avoided that. As far as I know, I don't know. I haven't checked it well, but I'm fairly certain his parents are alive. Um, I think that's probably also a consequence of us having had played a campaign. Like, because this you, isn't you our first campaign. You got out all your angst in campaign yeah. one. Oh, but, like, those are the things you go for, though, when you're trying to, like, when you're trying to think of why someone does it. Like, some of the biggest motivators in life are, quote-unquote, edge. Like, love, hate, yeah. anger, like, all that greed, like, all that stuff. Like, those are, like, some of the main motivators people and, like, trying trying to and like it's also hard to write like it this is related to backstory promise but like there's a theory that like you know like every story is just a derivative of like the f- of like four kinds of story 
and like it mm. is very hard sometimes to not go a bit tropey and like there's nothing wrong with tropes yep. tropes are good we've said this before um, particularly yep. when we were talking about word building we said like tropes aren't a bad thing in, in and of itself it's how you use them and like, they're tropes for a reason people yeah. use them a lot for a reason like, yeah, yeah. T- like take a trope put a spin on it like that kind of thing and yeah look if it's a bit edgy it's not a big deal as long as you're not like being edgy for edge sake yeah I mean like campaign one uh we had five players, but one player didn't have a huge backstory. Um, but of the four other players, you had dead parents killed by a demon. You wanted vengeance. Uh, we had a blue dragonborn who was the last of his species. Um, we had a dwarf prince whose father had exiled him and whose father was a madman. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a wood elf monk who... She was relatively normal, but other, like she was from this is- a super isolated village. And she was on a quest to reclaim something for her village and stuff like that. everyone had these big roles as well you know yeah yeah absolutely uh, yeah it's very big like the world sectors on me oh yeah i'm a driving for yeah. like it's and it is just what you do the first time you make it in a character because you don't really yeah. know what it's like um and yeah i've, I've said this I've, i think i've pitched this to you guys before about wanting to be like um maybe like roll on a table of just like jobs that people have in oh, towns or something yeah or, or whatever and just be like I want you guys to be whatever classes you want and blah, blah, blah. But I want you to, I want you to start off as nobodies. I want you to be level zero, like not necessarily in gameplay, but I mean, I want, you were not even a captain of the town guard. You were just a a dude in the town guard. That's it. Lowly militia guy. Uh, I want this person to be a candle maker. I want this person to have been a fisherman. And I, and you know, and you went off and became adventurers. You know, you started from very lowly, very simple backgrounds. Uh, where you weren't a prince or the chosen one or the last surviving member of blah 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 you know you were mm. you're, you're a far more grounded in that sense there's uh there's a great character like that in have you read the aragon books the inheritance yeah. cycle rather I, I, i've read the first two i i, I never got back to that. uh does roar does roran make an appearance uh make much of an impact in the second one it's been a while he's, it's his cousin who lived the farm with him when he was growing up uh, yeah, he's obviously in the first book. I, I think he's been yeah. mentioned. I, so I don't like, remember much from the second book. Though. So like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be vague about it, but I'm gonna give you a wee bit of a spoiler because it is very relevant what you were I'm saying. I'm likely not gonna go back and read them, so don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> cool. So eventually, um, Roran, something happens to Roran and and this new life that he has set up after he leaves. I can't, I can't even remember what the name of the village that him and Aragon lived in was called. Uh, but he leaves and he gets married and he has and he starts to build a family and then something terrible happens to that family and he's drawn into the conflict and he is just an or he's just an ordinary dude but like he's got plot armor obviously but like he's just a guy like the the, the person who changes history is his cousin Aragon like that's he's the the big guy so like he's yeah. he's kind of constantly like his, his whole motif is like I'm just a guy I'm just doing and like he goes I think he's particularly strong because he apprenticed to be a blacksmith. So he has, a, he has a blacksmith's hammer and he's a big frame and he's basically just like a lunk that they just charge at people at first. And then as the books progress, he becomes Roaring Strong Hammer because he kills a bunch of bad guys and he kills so many bad guys defending this one point in the town that's being overrun that he piles the bodies in front of him and he starts climbing the pile to get at the guys afterwards. Like that's, I, I know exactly what you mean there and that like you're nobody and you literally go from... yeah. Joe, nobody to the hero. Yeah, I do. Don't get me wrong. I I think there's there's absolutely room for both the chosen one and also the the absolute nobody as well. I think 
uh, I don't know. I guess just pick and choose. Just be aware, I guess. If you, if you lean one way or the other, mm. be aware the other way is an option as well. Because, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with being the chosen one or being uh, somehow, I don't know. Uh, I say the chosen one, but I say the chosen one, I mean, like, not just in a prof uh, prophetic sense. I mean, like, um, I am the last of a member of blank or I'm the only person who can do this. It, it's being the, the dragonborn. Yeah, you know, or being the the person in uh, Dragon Age Inquisition with the the mark on their hand, and only they can close the rifts. I don't know if you played Inquisition, but I played uh, any it's, it's a similar thing. I'm the only person with this power, therefore I'm the the special one. There's the avatar. For the Skyrim. avatar. The avatar. The avatar. There you go. There's um there's actually mods for Skyrim that are like alternative start mods where you don't start off in a prison car across from our um, uh, Ulfric Stormcloak. Um, and then escape a dragon and then learn to shout uh, because you're the dragonborn, you just start off walking along a road in whatever holes you pick. And you can still do all the, the guilds and a lot of the side quests. So I, I think I think some of them cancel out the actual main quest. And you can just play as a regular dude walking around Skyrim. You're not special. You're not the dragonborn. You're not the only person who can... Because it's weird that like the dragonborn, whose quest is to stop... Um, I forget the name of the dragon... Uh, whose quest is to stop Alduin. The... Sorry? Alduin. Alduin. It's it's not it's weird that your whole quest is to stop Alduin, but also you're a master assassin and a master thief and a head of the companions and a head of the Mages College and you you alone single handedly resolve the Stormcloak Rebellion. Yeah. It's got <laughs> Occasionally a vampire. <laughs> Occasionally a vampire or a vampire hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're a werewolf as well. Who knows? But yeah, there's a ton of stuff like that, and it's I don't worry about. It. I know it's a game. We're not gonna judge it too harshly mm -hmm. on that. But um, I do think that there's something to be said for a, a farmer who just decides that he's not the farming life isn't for him. I want adventure. I want to see the world. So I'm gonna travel. I buy a sword with the first money I make, uh, and then I have a backpack and a coat, and then I set off on my way. And in the first town I come to, um, you know, uh, someone tries to. I don't know, murder someone or a goblin or a monster comes into the town. So I managed to kill it and the people rewarded me and I kind of made a life out of it. You know, you can make a very wholesome yeah. uh, kind of character from from humble beginnings. Uh, is, is... Bilbo Baggins kind of has that bit of a bit of a journey. Like he's just started. Yeah. And then literally adventure knocks on his door. The the opposite of that, that the polar opposite in the same thing is uh, Thor and Oakenshield, who is an, an exiled prince who needs to reclaim his home. He's the chosen one, but then he's also there's other members of the party yeah. who is Bilbo Baggins, who's like, oh, I just I live in a house and I'm small, so people ask me to come along and steal things. Like it's that's a perfect example of the two sides of that coin. You're either, you know, you can be someone who is very renowned and famous and you're legendary and you all this mm. or you can just be a, a guy you can just be a dude yeah and that's i think that's that's really good as well and like the chosen one thing very much i think picks in with the the, the dangers of creating like a too long a backstory or too complex a backstory um yeah. something i i kind of popped into my head is like i have like three golden rules for um creating a backstory for my characters usually and it's i they're kind of learned from mistakes i made creating other characters even just earlier versions of other characters it's Number one, try and keep it simple. Have a motivation, have a reason for travel, and have a goal, and know your history. Simple. Like, know where you're coming yeah. from, know where you're going to, know why you're going there. Yeah, I think, um, like, uh, I think Gavin, when I was talking to him about this, uh, he put it very, very simply. Uh, people will often have 
like three four pages of like do not hand don't hand your dm four or five pages of a backstory do not it's like because I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something now you don't want to hear this but you, you need to be told no one gives a shit about your backstory <laughs> even your dm doesn't give that much of a shit about your backstory um give them like the minimal amount um like uh, don't get me wrong, backstories are great, and I think you can frame a character super well. I know I've, I've, <laughs> I, I, not even that long ago when I started playing Gavin's campaign, I wrote two pages for, well, two, like, one and a, one and a half, two pages of a backstory. I tried to minimalize it as much as possible. I think the reason it's so long is because Renyolf's 52 years of age. He's lived an entire life and done some stuff, and I was really trying to frame him. I kind of base him a little bit off quote in um, hmm. Name of the Wind, uh, having... Lost his parents, uh, lived on the street, uh, eventually gets to go and learn magic, um, and then, uh, but then there's a whole other thing where he joins up with these people who he thinks are good, but they're actually not. They're murderers, and there's a whole thing happening there. But um, oh, I hope I didn't let too much go there. Did I let things go? It's the constant danger I, for me on this podcast because I know my party I, listen, and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Leo <laughs> listens to this podcast, and I hope it's spoilers. I, I don't think I did. I think I'm okay. okay. Um, he's he's in Gavin's game, and I think I think Leo listens. And I <laughs> shout out to Leo. He's a he's a good watcher. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so like basically, I had this whole this whole uh, uh, story planned out, um, and I tried to condense it. I was reading it a while ago. I was trying to condense it as much as possible. Um, uh, and I didn't put in anything that wasn't like I definitely had a little bit of flowery language that I'm like, oh, do you know what, I can cut out like two sentences there that only restate the same thing again from the prior sentence you know? mm-hmm. there's some stuff like that um, honestly I think bullet points is the way to go Yeah, I try I... not to name too many people as well but yeah I don't I, I'm, I'm a fucker for putting loads of names in my backstories, I apologise uh... well like I said, you're, you're usually quite good because you'll just give me, bullet, like you, I don't think you I think uh, you actually came to me with like a rough idea about what did, what did you pitch for your backstory this campaign? I don't for remember. Log. Um, for yeah. so for my backstory, I I was taking some fair heavy inspiration from um, Constantine, uh, well Hellblazer in particular. But like the I had been watching the show Constantine recently, and there's a character in it who's his friend, and basically Is one night. CW one. Uh, yes, CW one. Uh, yeah. Basically, one night him and John are drinking at a bar. Uh, that guy just goes, goes look I'm going to go and leave uh, I got to leave I got to be up early tomorrow tomorrow morning to go and fly somewhere or do something he's travelling somehow and um, John wishes him safe home and he casts a protection spell on him and he sends him off and then something happens where he's in this horrific accident right and he survives and I think 99 other people die but their souls get trapped into him and because of right. as, uh, in his drunken stupor uh, John Constantine has cast like an Arthurian protection spell on his friend right. so when the accident happens and he died the protection spell triggered and basically absorbs <clears throat> the life force and the lives of all these people in him and he has like 99 lives inside him and that seemed like a really good point to start from, from uh, for uh, an ancestral guardian barbarian to come up with like a reason why yep. um, so I believe the exact pitch for my backstory this, this time around was um, like a member of the Hound Clan uh, there's a no I think it was even shorter it was even shorter I think it was literally uh, Lug wakes up in the aftermath of a battle he's horribly wounded and, t- and chained to a rock one of his eyes is missing um, and uh, I 
think that could literally be it. That could have literally been it. Like I want, I think, I think I it was that might, the prompt might have been that sentence. Yeah, I think it was literally yeah. that. Like I, I look, I, I think it was like I don't want to give you too much, but like this is where where we find Lug when the story opens is chained to a rock after losing a battle, heavily wounded, missing an eye, and there's like a civil war going or something like that. I think is what I said. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's all you gave me. But like and like, like that was great though because then I got to do a lot of stuff where I made it fit. Because mm. here's the thing, as a, uh, from a player a player perspective, I guess, or four players, I guess, to to, to listen to, um, the more you give your DM, the more intricate things they need to work into the world, um, and then possibly, inevitably, you might be disappointed when these five characters you include in your backstory don't show up. It's like the DM is going to do their best job, but they're not always going to be able to include every single thing you include. Mm. You know. Um, uh, like I said, you're you you've done a two campaigns two campaigns in a row, being quite good about it now. Um, Last campaign, don't... I definitely had, I definitely gave, I, I definitely was like more in that kind of a lot of names. That's oh yeah, but I, again, but like I, campaign, I think a lot yeah. of it, I came back to you about as well. Yeah. I was like, I I was like, hey, you mentioned uh, or uh, I don't know. I said like, if you had a character that you were friends with, what what would their name be and what would their race yeah. be and so and their I class remember... and stuff like that. And, I remember at one point you came back to me to ask about like what would a village in your hometown look like or like what way do people live in your cultures or what kind of way were you thinking of it for yeah. like the Celts to live and I literally grabbed an article about how ancient Celts lived and sent it on to you yeah. and you were like this is perfect this is exactly what I was looking for yeah and that's that's the thing I mean like I'll your DM will come looking for more information if they need it you know mm. we only we only decided recently that uh uh, that your Lug's parents are alive. Yeah, oh, I, think, we, I think it was like last week. I was like, we said Lug's parents were alive, yeah? And you were like, I don't know. And I was like, let's stick with that. <laughs> yeah, let's just go with that. And But like, and again, you don't need to tell me all this stuff if it's not relevant because mm. uh, because it hasn't come up. Your parents haven't come up in, in any, yeah. anything yet. So I think that's a really um, good point, actually, is relevance is king when it comes to backstory. That's the thing, yeah. Give, give the stuff that is relevant. I, like I said... Uh, I definitely wrote more than I needed to when it came to Renyolf. Um and it's it's really it's really kind of disheartening as a dungeon master when someone hands you a wall of text and you're like, oh, okay, let's make some coffee and get through this, you know? Because like inevitably, especially when, like I said, I use a lot of flowery language when I was doing. It. I kind of feel bad for Dad having to read through my shit now. Um, but I I put some stuff in that was like. Again, it's just it wasn't bad. It's just flowery. It's just stuff that isn't one hundred percent necessary. Um, I could have glossed over it because, uh, and then if and then that's the thing. I think I I think I did it from the perspective of I want to give the dungeon master as much to work with as possible. Mm. Um, I didn't want, you know, I I don't want to leave anything out basically. Yeah. But it's okay to leave things out because if the DM needs it, the DM will come looking for it. They'll say, hey, when you mentioned that you were. Like Renyal, for example, lives uh, or lived with a lord for a very short time as a kind of a I don't know, not a servant, but like a ward almost. Um, and you know, I named him and I named a couple like his his butler as well because mm-hmm. and I mentioned that the butler didn't like uh, Renyalf and stuff like that. Um, and I, I kind of elaborated too much on it, and I'm like, I could have just said that for a time he lived with a lord uh, as a as a ward, and then blah blah. blah. And then moved on. It could have yeah. been a set. What, what I made like a paragraph could have probably been a sentence there. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, it's good to set tone and stuff. But bullet points, give bullet points. Let your DM, especially like 
like trust that your DM can do the rest as well, you know? Because mm-hmm. uh, like I said, the the more you give, the more intricate names and characters and stuff you give. Uh, like Dan did one where, um, and sorry for calling you out on the podcast, Dan. Uh, Dan did one where early in the campaign, he mentioned that when he went to this university that he studied at, one of his favorite teachers there was, I forget her name, but uh, she was a, a wood elf. And then I was kind of thinking, I know what else in my world are kind of hostile towards a lot of people and and stuff like that. So I'm like, I could have again. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. Like, I made it work, and it, it, you know, I, they're not as hostile, um, maybe as I thought they were in that moment. But uh, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I kind of gotta make that work now. Mm. I gotta make I gotta make that make sense within the world. Uh, whereas I'm like, uh, it could have been a much more. You didn't. That's not a character that's needed. If I'm being perfectly honest, uh, and again, sorry, Dan. Uh, like that character likely won't come up. You might meet the character once maybe twice but I, I have no plan for that character to be a heavy uh plot point in mm. the world you know yeah um and so so like again it's, it's all out of relevance it's not it, don't don't uh include like the bare minimal and if your dm comes back to you and says hey i was just wondering what's your character think about this or where where did your character grow up or what's their deal with this um then then by all means if they go hey but well, you're you're a warrior did you have like a uh, an apprentice, like were you an apprentice to a master warrior, or did you just learn in a in a yard with a drill sergeant or whatever? And then, by all means, give them the name of the drill sergeant, where the yard was. We've had that exact conversation. Them. We've had literally that exact conversation about yeah. uh, one or two of my characters in the past, like, um, yeah. and yeah, that, I, I think so, uh, something that occurred there is like, so I think like when you're writing your backstory, the tendency is to think of it like a book, in that you need to write it, you need to include everything. There doesn't need to be gaps. I think it's probably a better idea to think of it more like a project that you share with the DM. Absolutely, yeah, it's more collaborative than that. It's, yeah, it's, totally. it's almost like if you think it's a weird thing to say, but I've just been I've been I use them a lot for my DMing. But think of it like a Google Doc that you share with your DM. You it literally gonna, is a Google Doc. Yeah, in I know. So yeah. most cases, yeah. <laughs> but like like in terms of conceptually, like it's not a book. It doesn't all need to be done. It does not need to have every detail in it and be ready. Yeah. And like you can read through A to Z and know everything about your life, right? It's your backstory. It's something that you can cover in a relatively short amount of time to explain why you are the way you are and where you're going. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Gav- Gavin mentioned it just being a, a blurb and a reason for leaving. Yeah. And what, like, a very brief thing, like I said, you, you told me that Lug woke up after a battle, injured, uh, missing an eye, uh, and that you know you, you kind of you, we both kind of knew mm. that that's the prompt for the souls of the dead soldiers around you embodying in him as a as a spiritual guardian yeah um but that's all you gave me and like that i'm like that's great i wrote a thing for you similar to the first campaign then where i'm like here's what happened here's the political climate here's why that battle happened and how it fits into the world yeah it was and like because we've done it that way i have like a very clear idea of everything and like we we can just come back and be like hey do you remember like literally like when i was because i came up on, with a, an idea like a, a character going for like that involved parents and i thought i remembered saying they were alive but i wasn't sure so i just checked in with you and we're like did we saw did we have a solid land for this and we couldn't so we came up with one on the spot like you know like it's that's, that's also another thing as well actually because let's say for example you had covered every single base possible at the start of the campaign and you mm. had told me that your parents were this and that and this and that um if it could have come to this point where maybe now because you like you said we had a conversation recently about your parents and stuff like that because you had an idea that had to do with them uh if you had like told me unnecessarily if you'd given me the information that your parents had 
died or whatever mm-hmm. uh, or when you, first, when you first started the campaign uh, it's possible as a dungeon master I might have planned something surrounding that or uh, there might be a plot point that relies on your parents being dead and now later when you decide oh I think I'd actually like if my parents were alive you can't take it back because I've written yeah. it in then give, give the DM it sounds weird give the DM less and they can probably do more though yeah just keep what you are giving them relevant and I like it's actually crazy that this is the topic we're talking about today because I just uh, out of the blue before we started recording earlier this evening um, a friend of mine uh, who lives in England Andrew he, he messaged me to tell me that he had just started playing a new Curse of Strahd campaign and he was oh, telling I, I played with Andrew before Andrew yeah. funny enough actually uh, Andrew's first character was based on Constantine <laughs> oh my god it was yeah his name was Sean Constantine yeah. his name was Sean Constantine he was a warlock <laughs> yeah yeah um but anyway, the, the backstory that for this character is I thought was brilliant um, and thought it was a very good example of clear, concise, and relevant. Uh, so he is playing a Warforged in Karstrad, which is very cool. I think very, very cool. Um, I love Warforged. Particularly because you can just kind of like... You don't like you don't have to sleep. I said it before, you don't have to sleep. Cause if you're, so if you're a Warforged in Barovia, you can just be the sentry bot. Uh, but his yeah. backstory, which I thought was really cool, is he's a Warforged, but he's also an artillerist artificer. So he's got them. He's got those eldritch cannons, and he can Love tinker so and make much. them. So <laughs> the combination of race he's chosen and race he's chosen and class he's chosen is really good and ties in really well with his backstory, which is he was a weapon created for war that was left underground in a storage facility. He was never used in the war. The war ended, and now he is woken up with no guidance and no orders from any from whoever made him, and he just wants to understand like living things now. I love I love that um because like there, I it's love so people specific. do it robots yeah oh god in D there's such good interesting unique things that's a, there's a plot in a, in it's, a, it's an expansion pack in Dragon Age one I'm talking about Dragon Age on the last call podcast uh, I might go back and play them um but uh, in Dragon Age one there's an expansion where you go to this town and there's a short quest involved in it mm. um and there is a statue well it's a it's a statue in the center of town it's actually an old golem. And I think, if I'm remembering rightly, golems can't be made anymore. The, the art of how to create them is lost. Um, so golems can't be made. But this golem is just frozen in the center of town. Um, and after you do the quest or whatever, you find the control rod and you wake it up. Uh, and you try to command it. And it should obey you because you have the command rod. Uh, and you say, uh, like it says something rude or whatever. And you go, golem, apologize. He goes, no. Oh, strange. I don't have to obey you unusual and he is it's he has free will yeah and it's like it's 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 he's like how okay i'm not really sure what to do if i'm allowed to decide myself and it's a whole thing with his character that he he's learning what it means to have free will and that's really really interesting but again i like that with the robot where he's like i never had no one gave me any orders mm. but i'm awake so how should i behave or how should i act that's really yeah. fast i love that it's uh he said he said to me himself he's, he's kind of drawn a bit of inspo from uh iron giant in it, which is great. That's oh, such a the Iron, the Iron Giant is a phenomenal it. concept for a D&D character. Hilariously, actually, voiced by Vin Diesel, who was a big D&D head. That's actually true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Vin Diesel has weird roles between that and Groot. Oh, uh, have you watched the last verbal? Have you watched the last Witch Hunter? Uh, yes. That is. But I don't remember anything about it because I'm being mean, perfectly honest. It was fairly forgettable. That is a movie based on the D and D character that he played in the celebrity D and D thing with, with Critical Role. Do you remember when they got Vin Diesel on to play D and D? Yeah, was that the other way around? Did they not make the class as a response to him being a witch hunter? 
no yeah that was it like the, the witch hunter witch hunter was coming out so they played they did celebrity and d and yes, Matt made yeah, the classroom yeah. and then that ended up spilling off into a much better class called blood hunter i was just gonna say <laughs> isn't that wasn't that the origin of the blood hunter he it is indeed said, well it's that movie plus the witcher equals yeah. the blood hunter and then he refined it over time i yeah. think um matt said like the only thing he had to go he had to make a character he had to make because your man's uh, vin diesel's character was called calder and he was the last witch hunter and in the in the trailer for the movie he like lights up his sword he like runs his sword his hand up his sword like that and his blood lights the sword on fire yeah. and Matt was like well that's the only thing I saw in the ca- in the thing so that's all I had to go on so I started where I worked at that and then that's the crimson right that's like one of the core parts of the class then yeah, yeah. and that, that's how we got Bloodhunter so thank, that's thank how, and that's how we got Bloodhunter boys so thank, and girls uh, thank Groot and the Iron Giant for your Bloodhunter if you're a Bloodhunter anyone <laughs> uh, but Martin yes Connor on that note that's all the time we have for today Wow, it almost feels like we didn't record it twice. <laughs> it almost feels like it was actually two hours. I know, it's amazing how time just stretches and rapidly speeds up when you have to record something again. But no, in all seriousness, this I, I had a lot of I did actually have a lot of fun talking to this. I think we, we got some cool stuff and went on some weird tangents as usual. So I, I, you know, I'm yeah. always happy to chat to you. I, I'm liking our uh, I'm liking our um what you call it, dynamic recently where we're not just uh, hard talking D and D. We'll just go on a, on a weird tangent if we want to. Yeah, we, we'll we'll try to only momentarily dip out in those tangents, but they will happen, and we're cool with that now. And we hope you guys are too. <laughs> uh, one second. Do I have a question? Yeah. I have not been keeping track of this. Okay. Uh, do I do the outro? Or do you do the outro? Or uh, do we just? It does the host do the intro and the outro. We we normally let's alternate decide this Connor. on the air. So yeah, it's on let's, the record. let's decide this on the air. We normally alternate it, Connor. Um, each each episode, okay. whoever's hosting. So I, I was actually just about to do it when you asked me that question. <laughs> okay, all right. And folks, thank you very much for watching the Mike the Mike Flares podcast. We're very happy to have you and happy listening. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. At, at Mike Flares Pod, and for our YouTube viewers, that'll be down in the bottom right hand corner of the video. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, So Sorry It's Over, which will be in the right hand corner of my frame for our YouTube people. Uh, Connor, where on the internet can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Zero Point Connor, Z E R O P O I N T C O N O R, one N, very important. And as always, Martin, every week at 6 p.m. Irish time, Friday, I made a ball to that. Here on the Mike Flares podcast. <laughs> yes, that's right, folks. 6 p.m. every Friday evening here on the Mike Flares podcast. Thank you for watching. You, and said, have a good you night. said it so much better. It's Goodbye. okay. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>